right now, it's a pleasure to bring in someone that uh, I'm a big fan of and have been for a long time, given his background. You see him on uh, ESPN right now as a field-level analyst, but he's also been a national recruiting director for ESPN since 2006, college football sideline analyst on ESPN. And then there's another thing about his past that is particularly interesting, quarterback coach for the original XFL champions, as in 2001, the Los Angeles Extreme. You, sir, are a true historian. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. Yeah, I tell you what, it's been a long, fun ride. Um, All right. Now, this leads to an obvious question, even for a dummy like me. Uh, You were there at the beginning with that spectacular mess, (laughs) the original XFL. Um, Now you're covering it, so you would have a great understanding of why it's so much different and, and why, in theory, it is built to last, unlike what happened the first time. Tell us about it. So, you know, it's interesting because, and I, and I will maintain this till the day that I die, and um, what sunk it the first time was how it was presented on TV. And I say that because I know how we put our football squads together, how the other staffs put them together. Um, you had professional-level coaches, uh, coaches with tremendous amounts of college and NFL experience, just like you have this time around. So we never paid attention to all of the other stuff that was going on. We were just trying to win football games and, and, and continue week to week. And I think the difference this time around and something that Vince and, and everybody else truly realized was it needed to be presented as American professional football. No gimmicks, no circus, no WWE. This is a, an American professional football league. And how it's presented on TV is going to be very, very important. Because the first time around, if you attended a game in person, it was awesome. I mean, it, it was a great environment, but it wasn't presented that way on TV. And at the end of the day, the viewers got to be able to respect the product, enjoy what they're seeing and what they're hearing. And, and that's what's going to continue to fuel interest. And as these teams continue to develop and get better and stronger. And let's not forget, you know, you, you put 70 guys together for four weeks in training camp. Whittle it down to 53. There's no preseason game. And then, bam, week one, you go on live national television. That's not easy to do. So I think what you'll continue to see is this product grow and develop over the course of time. Yeah. I, I, listen, I've, I've been telling people all week, um, I've watched seven and a half of the eight games. So I'm trying to really get a handle on this. And I, and I'm, I, I really like it as a, as a consumer. And I also understand it's going to get better. But I wanted to ask you, because you're in the middle of it, your first two assignments were on the lead broadcast crew, and you were in Washington both games and both weeks, and, they, and Washington's a very impressive team. But uh, given your vast football experience and everything else, I mean, how do you think it's going so far? I mean, um, not so much the broadcast. We'll ask you about that in a minute. But how, but just how do you think the launch has gone? I think it's gone as seamless and as smooth as you could possibly ask. Um, you know, you go into this thing and – there, there's a lot of unknown variables and you know, you're especially in our production truck. I mean, the producers, whether it's at ESPN, ABC or Fox, and I'm part of the ABC broadcast, the balls that they're juggling in the air at one time with all the cameras, all of the microphones, a field analyst and a reporter on both crews, two guys in the booth, listening in to coach Tom's. It's a lot, man. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a daunting task each and every week. And the, you know, the coaches have to embrace it too. It's, 
it's foreign to them. Let's let's face it. Coaching is a paranoia profession, right? And they don't like having all of their laundry aired out there. And they, they don't like having all of their intel about their football team. But this is what they signed on for. And this is what the fan craves. I mean, what we've been able to provide the fan is an insight to what, to what goes on in terms of communication, coach to player, player to player, in between plays, in between series, and during the course of a play. And at the end of the day... I think at least through the first two weeks, I know on our side, on the ABC side, we have been really aggressive, really aggressive on ensuring that we provide that uh, and, and, and do a good job with that. And so in my mind, I think it's been a good start. We're going to continue to press. We're going to continue to push forward. And, uh, and and see where we can take this thing. Tom Luganbill with us from ESPN. And I have to tell you, again, just as a fan, but – Someone who knows the media industry too. I I I'm really getting a kick out of the the uh, real time sideline interviews, seconds after a big play happens. You know it's not like you just alluded to. It's not easy for some of these guys. You're I've been watching you like I said for years. You're a fearless guy, but you're also a pro. You ask the questions. You're going to do your job, but. Is it uncomfortable at all? Because you can tell some of these guys aren't in the mood. They do it, but they're not in the mood. <laughs> what do you? Has it been uncomfortable at all? Incredibly uncomfortable. And listen, I mean, and and I say this, um, I'll go back to 2001. Um, and we had all the mics, we had all the cameras. You know, people don't realize that the steady cam and the sky cam was invented in the NFL. Now, everybody panned it and hated it, but now it's a part of every national broadcast, regardless of network, 19, 20 years later. So we had all those cameras and mics on us. And I can remember Tommy Maddox and I, we got into a knockdown, drag them out, man. I mean, it was rough, and it was aired. We were both embarrassed by it. Um, but, again, that's part of the access. And so how often have you, as a viewer, watched the sport of football, seen a guy throw an interception, and wondered what the heck was he thinking and why he did that? Well, we, we go ask that guy that. And is it easy? No. I play the position. I coach the position. I try to create the question to – give them an opportunity to elaborate as to what they saw, but it's not easy. We introduced something in week one. We interviewed the losing coach on the field. That's not easy to do either. So the one thing that is, I think it's helped us a little bit is we've been very forthcoming with the coaching staff when we have our production meetings. Uh, even myself, when I'm meeting with them in pregame warm-up, hey, listen, I, just, I don't want you to be blindsided. I want you to be aware we're going to be there and we're going to be talking to you, and we're going to ask you things at times that may not be ideal for you, but we, we want you to know it's coming. And the league has sent that mandate to all the coaches and the coaching staff. I had a situation this past week with uh, Kevin Gilbride in New York. Fourth and three, he's on his own 47. He decided to fake punt, and it's, it's successful. So what do I do? I go up, I tap him on the shoulder, put a microphone in his face, and ask him what led to the decision. Now, he wasn't overly happy with me, but it was great television. Because who doesn't want to know what led to that decision in the heat of the moment, right? Right. As an aside, in a related note, if I were a sideline analyst, I think the head coach that I would fear the most, uh, potential for just basically snapping, obviously would be Winston Moss, the L.A. coach. He, he, has, uh, <laughs> he has shot some looks at some of the, some of the reporters on the sideline. And I'm like, whoa, okay, okay. Let's let me let me back up. Let me back up a couple feet here. So, anyway, it's fun. Hey, I wanted. I'm glad you brought up Tommy Maddox because the one year the XFL and you were the quarterbacks coach 
for mm-hmm. the Los Angeles team. Tommy Maddox, who was a bust, so to speak, coming out, um, coming out of UCLA, he used the XFL as a platform, and then he went on to have some some really good success with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Uh, there, I, there's three quarterbacks in this league so far who jump out as candidates, perhaps to get to the next level and and have careers, including mm-hmm. our guy here in St. Louis, um, absolutely jo- Jordan Tamu, and of course Cardell Jones has looked great and. Um, 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 why am I being an idiot? I can't remember the guy in Houston. P.J. Walker. Oh, I'm sorry. P.J. Walker. P. Yeah. He the, might be the best of all of them. Yeah, those three guys are impressive. So try, try it's early on, but try to gauge that for us. They they seem like the type of guy that's not only good for the XFL because they have such upside, but could act. this could actually lead to something for them. Well, and again, this is what I think the future of professional football is going to be for players that are fringe players on an NFL roster, that player 48 through 59, right? That's just, he's right there. So what do you do? Do you sign an NFL future? Do you go to a practice squad or do you sign in the XFL and play? Because what, what greater, what greater opportunity than actually get on tape, play, improve your worth. And so I think that's what the opportunity that this league has created. Now, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned Tommy Maddox, because I have this, it's not a debate, but I always have a rebuttal because most people take the same approach that, that you took. And, and I've always, over the course of years, started to kind of reevaluate what I labeled as a bust. And, I, and going through and doing our homework on Tommy was some of the guy that left in his redshirt sophomore year, which never happened back in 1991. Never. And he gets drafted in the first round by the Denver Broncos. Well, guess who Denver has? They've got John Elway. Well, you're not beating him out, right? So, to me, a bus is kind of always the guy that had every opportunity and it never worked out. Tommy really didn't have that many opportunities. And next thing you know, seven, eight years later, he's made plenty of money, gets out of the league, opens an insurance company, and then is like, you know what, I'm just hungry for football. I've got to play. I've got to prove my worth. Goes into the Arena Football League, gets his head knocked off for 14 weeks. We bring him out, start talking to him, and realize, hey, this guy might be, he might be legit. Okay, so we bring him out, and and really it, it provided an opportunity, and you mentioned it. He leaves our league as the MVP, goes into the NFL, ends up beating out Cordell Stewart and takes the Pittsburgh Steelers to the AFC Championship game and is the, is the NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And the reason why I bring all that up is so much of professional football being in the right place at the right time, the right coach, the right opportunity, the right offense, the right players around you. And sometimes you got to take a different path to get there. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you got to swallow your pride a little bit and find a way to figure out how you're going to make this work. And I think that's the opportunity for all of these guys in the league. Right now there's, there's eight teams. I think there's four teams with pretty good quarterbacks. There's four teams that are trying to figure out how they're going to fix their quarterback situation. But a guy like P.J. Walker, a guy like Jordan Tamu, those guys, man, I mean, they've got upside. They're young. They have a lot to learn, and they've got the opportunity to get better and better. So if you're an NFL franchise, you're looking at those guys and you're saying, this is a great opportunity for us and our player evaluation efforts to, you know, really see if some of these guys could help enhance our roster. That didn't exist before. Tom Lugan, Bill, unfortunately, I, I have to run, and I know you got better things to do, but uh, really enjoyed it. I hope we can get you to come back. 
uh, during the season and talk some more. And didn't even get into any college football recruiting. But you're a great guest and really, really love what you do. So thanks for uh, thanks for everything, man. It's great to meet you, make your acquaintance on the you radio. You bet, man. All right. Yeah, same here. Let's do it again sometime. All right. That's our friend Tom Luganville, new friend from ESPN. He's really good.